Hello and welcome to Two Bald Men and Friend, the show where we talk about issues and ideas using pop culture as the springboard. I'm your host, Joe, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex. Hello! And today we are joined by our friend, Thumb. Hello! Today we're talking about Russian Doll and existentialism. So, spoiler alert for Russian Doll. Sit back, relax, or, if you're driving, please sit upright and continue to drive vigilantly. So, Thom, thanks for uh, coming back. We've had you on the show a, a handful of times now. Yes, you have. I feel special, because I am special. You are. And I think now that you've finally come back for the third time, the audience is, has been asking, who are you? What do you do? Well, some say I'm just a mild-mannered city worker. Some say I'm that guy with the incredible confidence. And some say I'm both the man and the myth. But I say I'm the legend. But that really didn't tell us anything about you. It should have told you everything (laughs) you wanted to know. (laughs) Other than... Maybe we just don't know a lot about him. (laughs) I have amnesia. So Uh when I asked the doctor about me, he said, you're the man, the myth, the legend, and that's what you wrote on your chart. (laughs) So that's what we're going with. Yeah, when you signed the release form, it's like, can I get your man, myth, and legend on this? You're like, I don't see why not. Are you guys just quoting Hitchcock? That's Where, exactly yeah. what I was thinking. No. They, you, the, you, the nurse said, uh, give me your John Hitchcock. I just thought that was my name. You, 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 you've done this before. You're mixing Will Smith's hit movie, Hitch, and Will Smith's hit movie, Hancock. <laughs> You know, I didn't notice that I said that until you said John Hitchcock. And I was like, that sounds wrong. (laughs) Am I wrong? Have I been wrong this whole time? Thumb, can you tell us a real thing about yourself real quick so we can move on? I went to college with Alex and Joe, and I am their friend. Thank you. (laughs) That's all he is. That's all there is to know about him. Um, How many episodes have you been on? I believe this is my fifth. Wow. What what other episodes? I have been on Ant-Man and the Wasp, Hoodwinked, Pacific Rim 2, and I know I've been on one more. I can't quite place it in my head. Man. All right. That's the mystery for you guys, audience (laughs) members. If you can tell us what fourth episode he's been on, and this would be his fifth, you get a shout-out next episode. I'm forcing people to watch through every other episode. <laughs> Son of a gun. Still not <laughs> I've got to nail this prize. Uh, here's a hint, though. It's a cameo way at the end of the episode, so you're going to have to listen to the whole thing to see if it's the episode that he's on. In the episode of You, we do reference Thom in the middle and at the end. Yeah. So does that count? I actually... My name closes the episode yeah. to you. He's he's the Stan Lee of the two bald men universe. <laughs> Uh, I'm in each episode saying, this is wild, isn't it? <laughs> I pull that. <laughs> um, so, Thom, um, do you think that you could give us a synopsis of Russian Doll? Yes. The show starts off with a woman named Nadia. It's her birthday, and she doesn't quite have her life together, and throughout the night makes um, some... Less than, I don't know, less than great choices. And then she dies, replays the same day over, continues to die, meets a man named Alan, who they find out together their lives are connected through death. 
and they're trying to figure out what the secret is and what link they have with each other to solve the mystery of their deaths. All right. Uh, tune in next time when we talk about <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of Happy Death Day. It has that Groundhog's Day uh, premise, um, but it's definitely the dark humor that you see in Happy Death Day. It took away the slasher film aspect to it and added a lot more, I guess, the existentialism that we plan on talking about later. Mm -hmm. I'd say in Happy Death Day, it's they use the same concept, but more to emphasize how the the main character of that movie dies and the, just to show different ways that the character dies. But Russian Dolls kind of sidestep that and you understand that the character dies over and over again, but that's not the focus of it. The focus is to bring in these darker, deeper topics and add in one more character. Yeah, I thought that was a good um, gimmick, for lack of a better word, because I have never seen that before where it was a pair of people constantly dying at the same time mm -hmm. and then resetting. And I really liked that element that they added once Alan is introduced because they basically, once they reset, have to get through the whole day and then they eventually meet up. And um, a lot of the time it's like, air conditioner fell on me. Oh, no way. Like this, I fell into the subway tracks. Like their greeting is like, how'd you die yesterday? <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to get into... Our ratings real quick. Um, my audience rating for this. And Joe, I already know what you're going to say. I'm going to say it anyway. I would say that the first four episodes, I would give the show three stars. And then the last four episodes, I would give it four stars. And so... No. You can give it... No, I wouldn't. Three and a half stars. <laughs> I would not. Because I genuinely think the show was completely different in the first and second half. I wish the show had started on episode four. Well, I only started watching on episode four. So, <laughs> no, I'd actually... I would give the show a four consistently because I did enjoy the humor at the beginning where they kind of play into her deaths a little bit, but they didn't keep that the focus, where I think the show would have lost its appeal very early on to me if they had just focused on her many deaths instead of linking her to some kind of bigger meaning to it. But I think the show held consistently throughout until really about the the last episode or last two episodes where it got a little convoluted or just a, a little too packed in with material. But otherwise, I think the show was fantastic. So my audience score would be a three and a half because pretty much for the same reasons you guys brought up, I feel like the first three, maybe four episodes are kind of pointless, and like you could have gotten everything you needed to get out of them in like one or two episodes, and then they just added filler that like never really pays off, and then they just kind of move on to the next four episodes, which I think are like really well done and a fresh take, and so... Because it kind of picks it back up at the back half, I'm going to give it a 3.5. Well, that's upsetting because uh, you're not allowed to do that. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, on a, on a critic's eye point of view, is that an expression? 
It is now. Cool. <laughs> Coin. I hear it trending. <laughs> <laughs> Registered. Trademark. I'm sure it's an intelligent show, uh, for lack of a better word. It definitely fills in things that you notice in the first couple of episodes. They start answering those questions later on. And I think it is one of those shows, similar to the movie Us, where they want you to watch it again. Um, and I think they purposefully made the episode short enough where you can be like, well, let me watch that again. Because um, I think I noticed a few things and it, it might be related to the answers I got at the end. So on a critic's perspective of four, four stars. Out of <laughs> <laughs> the way we broke out watching this was I was actually the first one to watch it. Joe watched it second, and then Alex was live updating us as he was watching the show throughout. And he would notice things very quickly that I actually didn't on my run-through. Because you're dumb. Because I'm dumb. (laughs) You better edit that (laughs) out. Where Alan wasn't introduced until I think episode four. At the very end. (laughs) At the very end. At the, at the very end of episode four. I thought you were saying at, like, episode eight. <laughs> <laughs> at the very end of the show. That's not right. Um, Alan was introduced at the very end of episode four. And if you watch it a second time through, you realize that in the second episode, or maybe even the first episode, when Nadia lives through her second day, he didn't appear in the convenience store which I hadn't noticed, but Alex had pulled out very quickly. So I would agree that it, it is something you would have to watch, that you might want to watch a couple of times because you pick up on certain aspects of the show you might not have noticed through the first run through. Yeah. As a, a critic's rating, I'd give it a four. As a critic, I would give it a four. I would bump it up um, because I think maybe I could have watched the first couple episodes again like after I watched it which was a thought I had but I was kind of like nah I don't want to do that so I understand maybe I wasn't giving the show like the chance that it needed maybe um and then aside from that you know I think it shot pretty well um the acting's okay um it's nothing like to write home about um, and then the, the aesthetic is really cool. I like um, Nadia's like outfits, and I like how she kind of contrasts with Alan because Alan is very uptight and proper, and like wears kind of like tight clothes, and then Nadia wears like very big and unconservative, baggy kind of outfits, and so I like how they kind of had that. Um, Mere, that contrast? That contrast in their, like, costume design. Yeah, and and with my rating is also the fact that they explored new concepts within the Groundhog's Day uh, story. Like, I imagine in the writing room they were like, what if there's two people living the same life? Mm-hmm. Like, how relatable are they going to feel, despite the fact that in normal circumstances they would not be friends? And I have... Uh, note about that. I don't think Nadia would be friends with anyone that she is introduced to as friends in this show. So Nadia is reliving this birthday party that's being thrown to her, that's being thrown for her by her two 
friends, and they both seem very, like, New York, hippie, like, new wave kind of hipsters. And based on who we learn Nadia is in the show, I'm like, she wouldn't hang out with these people. Like, it's interesting. But I do like how she's very different from Alan as well. But they become best friends because of this shared experience. And I think you're right. I think the writers were like, yeah, if you found out that you were living and dying in a loop and someone else was, you'd probably want to hang out with them and you'd probably get very close with them. And because of that, I liked the ending so much. Mm -hmm. I thought the last episode, I was like, whoa, did not see that coming. Um, But I do want to save that until a little bit Mm -hmm. later. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, just to get some, I guess, critiques out on the show, I already mentioned the one about Nadia's friends. Um, I mentioned how the first couple of episodes feel like filler and like stories that don't really, um, connect with the story that we learn in the last half of the series. Maybe I, um, didn't watch it with a close enough eye, but... I want to talk about when Nadia is figuring out that she's dying and reliving the same day. I feel like those deaths were, like, out of place. Yeah, they felt very Final Destination-like. Yeah. Like, the second time she dies, she falls backwards into a river and immediately is dead. And can that happen? Sure. But I kind of was just like, really? Like that? You're dead? Like, you didn't... You don't. Like, maybe she doesn't know how to swim. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, I thought like, they were gonna make a slight at some point where she'd wake up the next same day and say, "Oh man, I wish I'd learned how to swim as a kid. I guess I needed that now." Just something where, or maybe even you know, I shouldn't have kept those boulders in my shoe because yeah. they won't. They. It's like, oh man, it me down. Yeah, it's oh man, it sucks that like I'm so dense. I, like that, like that, that like a nice rare wolf medical or, condition. I'm like a nice I wolf have. Ride, it's right. the Russian Jew in me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, she gets shot and doesn't die right away. Yeah. Later in the show. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. you've been dying almost immediately, mm-hmm. and the only time you don't die immediately is to have that sort of almost realization of wait. Are we creating different timelines and different universes, or are we actually resetting? And it felt like if that was the only time she struggled to die when she gets shot, which mm-hmm. is the easiest way to die a quick death, <laughs> I was a little put off by that. I agree. There's also a montage where she falls downstairs, and this happens like Pretty four or on. five times. Um, yeah, it's like one of the first ways she dies, but it happens like four or five times in a row. She's on the same staircase and she f- keeps falling. And again, she falls and breaks her neck. And I was kind of like, really? That was like eight stairs. Like, <laughs> could that, again, could that happen? Totally. But I like, and this is my fault. Like, I, I feel like this is being too hard on the show, but it, it just felt like if you're going to have this kind of live, die, repeat scenario, Make the deaths more creative. That's like, I in one specific instance with Alan, he was just walking by, I guess, the, the bay or wherever mm-hmm. they were, um, and he had his hands on the handrails, mm-hmm. and then the light next to him just short-circuited, and he was electrocuted. Yeah. And that 
that kind of felt to me like in Final Destination where things will just kind of happen. <laughs> but nothing really, you know, led up to that death or even when they were having heart attacks and like liver, liver failure. Mm-hmm. There was nothing that led up to them dying. Like they didn't cross the street and then get hit by a car where you could kind of sense that that was about to happen. They just dropped. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, A couple of things. Going back to the stairs, I was also annoyed because in my mind, in the context of a TV show, maybe in real life too, you want to learn your lesson. Like you die once, maybe twice down the stairs, find another way down, or like get on your hands and knees and slide on your butt one step (laughs) at a time to get down the stairs. Like make it ridiculous, but she shouldn't have died five or six (laughs) times. The kicker for me was, so it leads to a, a pretty funny line where she's leaving the party and her friend's like, where are you going? And she's like, I got to figure out how to go down the stairs without killing myself. And then she gets outside and she like screams. She's like, everyone get the fuck away from me. I'm going down these stairs. She's walking down the stairs. Everyone's fine. Someone like lightly bumps into her and she... She topples. She, topple, she completely topples. She topples over the handrail like, like a, just Dwayne a the Rock Johnson like <laughs> threw her like like. Or she was in WWE. Yeah. <laughs> or like she was a test dummy, and they wanted to see what the impact of whatever she was wearing could mm-hmm. take, and they just dropped her off. Yeah. <laughs> and I think this is nitpicky, but I think it's like we said. You know, if this is going to be a major part of your show, it, it should. Be you know, but I actually really liked that scene because it kind of led into um, the consistency of some of the show. Like the music, every time they died, they woke up to the same music. Mm-hmm. She died to the stairs so early on that every episode after that, she had to take a fire escape down because she was so afraid. But they kept these little consistent parts of the show going throughout eight episodes. And I think for a show that is that short and deals with this topic, it's really important to keep it consistent. Yeah, I will say that I wasn't completely sure of the reality of how they were dying in terms of was it Final Destination-y? Because at one point she dies... um, she freezes to death because mm-hmm. she sleeps next to a homeless man. And so for the next couple of deaths, she makes sure that the homeless man isn't sleeping outside. Because in her mind, if she died that way, that means he's going to die that way too for the rest of this loop unless I save him. Um, he, she also has her aunt, Ruth, that dies of a, a gas leak that explodes. Um, and so every day in a loop... She calls, I guess, like what we would refer to as Central Hudson, uh, <laughs> to say that three one one. No, <laughs> and would say like, "Hey, there's a gas leak. I'm gonna be calling every day, even though in her in their universe it was the same day." Mm-hmm. But that kind of falls apart because mm-hmm. on the day that they all survive, she doesn't make those moves, and hypothetically, that means that homeless man and Ruth are gonna be dead, and they're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is an eight-episode series. Each episode is around 20 minutes. I think it would have been better as, like, a one-off movie because I feel like we could have been, like, 
one and done, we wouldn't be thinking this much about it. But because we see the reoccurrences so often, we're like, well, no, that means Ruth dies in the gas explosion. Homeless man dies. Um, thinking back, it's like, how is Alan dying? On, like when she was dying on the stairs, was she dying on the stairs because Alan was dying? Um, and I just feel like because we spend so much time with the series, if they shortened it and made it a movie, it, they could have tightened it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, with all those, to me, nitpicks that exist because of the genre that they chose, they still explored a lot of new things, mm-hmm. um, which I was a big fan of. I think one of my favorite reveals that to me was emotional was Alan couldn't remember how he died the first time. And so they try to relive his first time so that they could figure out how he died. And he eventually comes to the realization that he committed suicide the first time. And I loved that reveal and the emotion that the actor portrayed within the character of, like, guilt, shame, desperation. Because as an actor... How do you portray someone who just found out they committed suicide? That type of person doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. You could research, like, the shame of someone who had an attempted suicide, survived, and then felt that shame. But it was definitely, like, a a unique position to be put in 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 terms of how do you evoke that emotion. Agreed. (laughs) Yeah, and Alex, um, one of the things that the show really did well was it's different looks into existentialism and like what the meaning of life is, especially if you can't die. And so we're going to take a break and we're going to be right back after these messages. Guys, has this ever happened to you? You're laying in bed. Yes, that's happened. Yeah. It's, I've laid in bed before. Have you ever been eating in bed yeah. oh yeah, yeah all the time yeah. that's definitely like where i eat my meals do you get crumbs in your bed not yeah. sure yeah 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 a lot of cereal yeah. yeah well you're in luck here's a mattress that you'll never have to worry about getting cereal crumbs in ever again because it's made of cereal introducing the booberry mattress this mattress is made 100% of booberry cereal, and so if you spill booberry in it, you can just eat the mattress. It's not going to affect your sleep one bit. You're not going to be like, oh man, I'm sleeping on crumbs, because you're always going to be sleeping on cereal. Wow, and I've actually heard that every year you spend with your mattress, it accumulates more and more pounds of your dead skin cells and sweat. Not with this mattress, because it's going to be reducing in density because you're eating some of it every night. Are you telling me I can finally have a nice glass of almond milk before bed without feeling the guilt of my other mattress? That's exactly what I'm telling you, Thom. And Booberry Mattress will deliver straight to your door. So call Booberry Mattress right now or go to BooberryMattress.com and order yourself a new mattress. You have to know that as expensive as it may seem, it does have uh, plans for you where you can pay per month for the next six months. It is an achievable mattress for you. And it is the most important rest you'll have all day. Also, listeners can use promo code Two bald men to get 20% off their booberry mattress. You're gonna have 20% less booberry in your mattress. You're gonna get 20% off of the mattress. Boy, I don't know about you guys, but I am ready to go purchase those goods and services. Oh, yes. Oh, yummy, yeah. yummy. Where can I get one now? <laughs> 
<laughs> Did you not listen to the commercial? I skimmed it. <laughs> so, Thom, to get us into this next segment, we wanted to ask you if you've ever had an existential crisis. Well, on my 25th birthday, I would an- I was annoying my family by telling them I was all going through my quarter-life crisis. <laughs> so anytime someone would come up to talk to me, I'd say, yeah, it's 25. It's all downhill from this age. I think I'm going to buy the Corvette. I got to trade up girlfriends, <laughs> get myself a trophy wife, <laughs> you know, get rid of the kids, get a new family. <laughs> I'd love if a quarter-life crisis was a midlife crisis, but you don't have any money. So it's That's like, exactly as I played it all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it's all downhill from here. I think uh, I think I'm going to get that skateboard. And... <laughs> I want to feel young again. Let me put me in a classroom so that I can fall asleep in front of the teacher. I'm leaving my wife. I'm going to get me a participation trophy wife, and it's going to be great. You know, yesterday I was wearing sweatpants, but now I upgraded to cargo pants. <laughs> I thought you, were, you know, yesterday I was wearing sweatpants. Today, new sweatpants. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think. I mean, I personally, existential crisis. Um, I've had panic attacks. Is that like? Is that the same as an existential crisis? I think it could be. Um, sometimes when I. Uh, I'm just like on the train or something and I can let like let my mind wander. I'll have a panic attack because I'll just suddenly realize no matter what I do, one day I'm going to die. <laughs> I oh yeah. And so I, I think that's what we're talking about, right? I've actually had multiple days where I've spiraled because every once in a while I'll just read articles and update myself about what's going on environmentally. Mm. <laughs> And you know that it's not great right now, so I've just What's been... going on? What's the... <laughs> We're all dying. Oh! <laughs> but I've been on tracks where I've just read all of these scientists... I've, I've read articles by, by scientists and other people who just say, like, eh, it's all hopeless. And then I kind of spiral down and just level myself out at some point, and then a couple days later, I have to come back and just reset... <laughs> Yeah, I have I have broad existential crises where I think about how small I am relative mm-hmm. to the universe. And then I have more specific existential crises where I think about how every action affects every aspect of my life. And at any point I could do something so wrong that blah, 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 blah. And I like I like the fact that my existential crises have a spectrum, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um. I want to bring up a book called Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut. Don't worry, viewers. I know I'm on record saying reading is for chumps. I heard about this on a different podcast. So, <laughs> <Phew. don't worry. laughs> Your host, Joe, is still cool. <laughs> um, I'm going to bring this book up again, but it's about a race of aliens called Tralfamidorians, and they view time all at once. Like, they don't... They've just viewed time differently than we do, and I think in, like, a way that we can't really comprehend. And they basically have a zoo of different species from different planets, and the the book is about um, a human that they have in their zoo, and he's doing this, like, existential analysis of, like, well, what's the meaning of life? Like, what am I supposed to do? And it's interesting because they're like, you know, we have over 200 million species that we've, like, talked to and you're the only ones that 
are asking yourselves, what's the meaning of life? Like, and so it's, I think that's an interesting perspective of like, is that a thing that like we should be worrying about? (laughs) (laughs) That, that detail of experiencing all of time at once is one of the twists in Arrival, uh, the movie with Hawkeye. Um, Spoilers to that movie as well. (laughs) (laughs) It's too late. (laughs) Um, But it is a very difficult concept to grasp Mm -hmm. where, like, these aliens, they have this language that's very circular. And, like, it's almost like they they compare it the most to, I guess, a Chinese where, like, each symbol is on top of itself. And, like, within context, it'll make sense. But in isolation, you can't really learn it, per se, the way that we learn other languages with letters and, and words like that. And a part of the movie is that the more you learn their language, the more you are able to experience time all at once. Oh. Um, and, oh, it, even with knowing that twist, you're in for a ride. <laughs> so you should go still watch it. I won't talk about too much of it. Um, but before we continue, I just wanted to read the definition of existentialism just to uh, get us all back onto the same page. Uh, existentialism is a philosophical theory or approach which emphasizes the existence of the individual person as a free and responsible agent determining their own development through acts of the will. Um, and whenever people talk about existentialism, they also talk about nihilism, um, which is the rejection of all religious and moral principles in the belief that life is meaningless. And so I think that's a really interesting philosophy that Russian doll can get into because what does life mean if you can't die and you keep cycling? And even um, like we were talking about with the stairs before, how no matter what Nadia does, she dies on the stairs. So it's kind of like, well, my choices don't matter. No matter what I do on these stairs, I die. But then at the same time, your choice to take the stairs is what's killing you. So I guess you could make a different choice. And it's uh, philosophy's hard and there's <laughs> smoke coming out of my ears. And... <laughs> I think the concept, this concept comes up a lot in Christianity mm-hmm. in terms of talking about God as omnipotent, all-knowing, yet we have free will. What can he be all-knowing about if we don't know what's coming next ourselves? Um, and it, it really delves into the question, if you're going to talk about purpose of life and whether free will exists, you have to talk about time in terms of how does it run linearly, cyclically, all at once, and we're just experiencing it, multiple timelines. It's important to address because if every one of your decisions affects the direction of your life, you also need to consider the fact that in another timeline, you made a different decision and a different path opened up, and there's infinites of you. There's a great Futurama episode where the professor creates a portal to a different dimension and this alternate dimension is exactly the same except every time someone in the original dimension flips a coin it comes up the opposite so if you were like i'm gonna apply for colleges if i get heads and you got heads and the other dimension you got tails and so you didn't apply to colleges and it's just fun seeing like how similar but also like incredibly drastically different their lives are 
Right. And I, I think they referenced that as well in Community. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Winger rolls a die to decide who gets the pizza. Um, and there are seven different outcomes. Did I say seven? You said yeah. seven. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool I'm going to cool. say it again now. <laughs> and there are seven different... You yep, did that- say it. <laughs> that time you said it. <laughs> I feel like you guys didn't hear me say it the first time, but I think I did. Oh, well. Sabotage. <laughs> <laughs> and there are seven different outcomes, uh, one for each side of the die, as well as one where Abed catches it, saying, wait, but there's seven of us, which means Jeff never has to go get the pizza. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Um, and it creates one it creates the darkest timeline which is a really fun recurring theme within Mm -hmm. community but it also creates one of the best gifts of all time where (laughs) Donald Glover comes back with the pizza and the whole apartment (laughs) is on fire (laughs) (laughs) and that's a fun element that Russian Doll gets into a little bit and I haven't seen in other time looping movies at least not specifically addressed because in one of the scenarios, Nadia gets shot, and she slowly dies, and she sees her Aunt Ruth, like, crying and being like, oh my god, it was an accident, I thought you were a burglar. And she realizes, oh, time keeps on moving for everyone else. We're getting sent to, like, a different timeline, and we're creating, basically, all these different dimensions um, this kind of happens in Groundhog's Day because Bill Murray dies and then you see someone like walk up and be like, oh shit, this guy's dead. <laughs> and then like moves on and then you start the loop back over. <laughs> so it's implied that that's happening. But I think that's more for just like a joke. Whereas this one, they actually have time dedicated to Nadia saying like, no, we keep dying and like these people's lives keep going on. And like, she kind of freaks out about it. Right. And even with that realization, we're still not certain of it. Mm-hmm. With the ending, though, uh, which I am willing to talk about now, the best twist that I did not see coming was, first off, episode seven, bizarre. We should talk about that in a second. Yeah. But in episode eight, they both wake up, and it's the very, it's almost as if it's the very first time that they died, and they, they're, they're back in their original loop, and they're like, oh, we're alive. And let's go find each other. And then they go to find each other, but it turns out they woke up in different timelines. Um, Alan woke up in the timeline where Nadia hasn't died yet. And Nadia wakes up in the timeline where Alan hasn't committed suicide yet. And they both spend that episode trying to save the other. And I think it is a phenomenal... Uh, escalation of Mm -hmm. consequences because the only reason they are friends is because they kept dying and they had that relationship with each other. Um, And it was so much harder for them to become friends when they didn't have that connection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you see Alan trying to connect with Nadia and be like, no, Nadia, like, you're gonna die tonight, like, if you don't, basically, if you don't, like, hang out with me, I don't... (laughs) But... And she's just like, leave me alone. You're a fucking freak. Like, you're stalking me. How do you know who I am? Yeah. And eventually he does. Oh, you know oatmeal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he He's like, he's like, hey, uh, I know things about you that I wouldn't know unless we were friends. And so you should trust me. And so she does. Uh, he gets her cat back. 
And I think at one point he does actually like stop her from walking into the street, which is how she dies the yeah. first time. Yeah. And to the same effect, she spends the night with him to get him to not commit suicide, where she, mm-hmm. they end up just falling asleep. He, I guess, sleeps through his horrible hangover. <laughs> and um, then she just walks on the roof. He see, She sees that he's there, and he's just asking her, will it get better? Right. Um, and I think that the best part of this last episode is how clear of the character development that occurred mm-hmm. because now they've they've grown so much that being put back into the original scenario it's going to be almost impossible to like save the other person because they haven't grown it was almost like in the big sick where um the girl is in the coma there's a great story and character arc with the boyfriend and the parents and then when she wakes up she's like the last time we talked, you had broken up with me because you were going to have an arranged marriage. And so she has to grow on her at her own pace. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is almost happening here where it's like, dude, back off. Like, yeah. I haven't like, grown I don't yet. know who you are. <laughs> I haven't had my seven episodes of character arc. I haven't had my episode seven of Russian Doll. Let's talk about it right now. It's bananas. It shouldn't be in there. Well, I in the last episode, I, I did love the fact that they used... The, they both died, would reset their day at a mirror, and then the show used reflection, the, the re- reflections of a mirror, to show that they're each essentially the like captain of their own ship. Where even though they've died time and time again, and they both understood they had this link and that they had to save each other, they still had to work for it at the end. By the other character not knowing each character, it showed that they were both in control of their own story, and they had to put effort into the decisions that they made. Yeah. Um, but in in terms of the seventh episode, um, it definitely stands out as, is this really consistent with the rest of the show i think and the answer is no no that's yeah that that's when i really started <laughs> it felt like there was just too much in that episode i think the uh that episode was still 20 minutes just like the rest of the show and there was a lot more mm-hmm. to absorb in that 20 minutes than when she fell downstairs six yeah. times they're like how do i fit a whole series into this one episode of this series. <laughs> yeah, I think episode seven was like, I wanted to set up something from episodes one through six, and I wanted to heighten the stakes over and make little references to culminate to this point. But the jump that it made was too far. Yeah. Episode seven is why it wasn't a one-off movie. Because <laughs> it could have been its own one-off movie. <laughs> um... So my biggest problem with episode seven is that it's all about Nadia facing the demons that she has with her mom, but that somehow fixes the timeline for her and Alan. At this point, every time they die and reset, there are like people missing from their world and they don't know what's happening to them. And then... Only Nadia is having, like, 
hallucinations and flashbacks, she dies because somehow glass ends up in her mouth and she pulls it out and, like, she bleeds to death. And then when she realizes, oh, like, my mom was abusive and I never really dealt with it, everything gets set back to normal and then we get episode eight. And it just makes zero sense to me. (laughs) And it's... It was, I guess, yeah, my frustration is that up until that point, I accepted their base reality. I mm-hmm. accepted, yes, they are creating different timelines. Yeah, they're trying to add this concept of stakes because things are missing every episode, like mm-hmm. little things. Um, but I think that whole layer was unnecessary. I think the fear of going insane and living this day for the rest of your life is enough stakes to want to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Similarly, in Happy Death Day, she didn't have to get weaker every time she died just to add stakes. I thought, uh, just, you're you're already trapped in a loop. That's scary enough. You're literally getting murdered every day. (laughs) What I thought was interesting about, and I I looked this up very briefly, but the title Russian Dolls actually refer to those little dolls that you open, and there's Mm -hmm. a smaller one, which actually symbolizes lineage. So it's a mother, daughter, 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 until you're at the very last one. So I guess that kind of ties into why there was so much tension or trauma with her mother. But it did feel very forced with everything else that with everything that had been set up for the show so far. Yeah, I don't have a problem that this character has issues with her mom. I think that's a very... You understood that as soon as she opened up the show and she was doing blow and smoking and drinking. Exactly. (laughs) You knew she had family problems. (laughs) What I don't understand is why that matters to the time situation that they're in. Also, the show kind of blows itself at one point. And what I mean, it fillets itself. It doesn't, like, drop the ball. I mean, it gives itself a blowjob. Because Nadia is a game designer... And Alan plays her video games, and so they're, they're playing a game once, and Alan's like, it's so hard, I don't get it. And she's like, what's hard about it? And he goes, you make this one person go by herself and solve this puzzle without any help. It's so stupid. And it's like, see, every other time loop movie, they have to do it because they're the only one in the time loop. We have two people. (laughs) Suck it, Bill Murray. (laughs) But then Nadia has to solve the puzzle by herself. That When they had that pact where they said, okay, we're going to stay together to figure this out, almost instantly Nadia or Alan said, you know what, I've got to go off on my own. We'll see you in the next day. Yeah. (laughs) See you tomorrow. Um, I think Alan does have an epiphany with Beatrice. Mm-hmm. Um, and we haven't talked too much about Alan's timeline or Alan's ex- experience. He's trapped in the day that his girlfriend breaks up with him um, and discovers throughout the loops that she has also been cheating on him. Um, and... He does come to terms with that. I don't remember if it's in episode seven. That's the thing. I think that was in a different episode. Which, if it was in the same episode, it's like, okay, they both had to, like, come to terms with stuff. Well, he was slowly coming to terms with that because I, first of all, his reliving his most painful breakup every single day, I think is my personal hell. Like, (laughs) I can't imagine a worse scenario to be in. 
Uh, try it being your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, guess what? You're not wearing pants. And I'm out. <laughs> but he's, I think he slowly came to terms with that because he didn't know for the first, like, 11 or 12 deaths that she was even cheating on him until he met Nadia. And then at some point he just started... When his routine changed a little bit, he started listening to Beatrice and realized she had been cheating and then started confronting Mike, who was a character that knew Nadia and had been in her party. And he confronted him slowly and came to terms with the whole idea of letting her go slowly throughout the show, whereas Nadia's, it was a lot more abrupt. Yeah, all at once. I agree. And I, I think... In that sense, like uh, going back to the existentialism, when you have an existential crisis, it's kind of all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's thematic, maybe I'd be more accepting of that. But I think growth occurs more like the way Alan's did. Mm-hmm. Um, Slowly, but tr- over time, you you really have to adapt to the new scenarios. Mm-hmm. So Nadia has... Uh, interesting exchange that I really enjoyed with this old man that we had been introduced because Alan opens the door for him into their apartment at the same time every single day. And he, she, Nadia starts smoking and the the guy's like, oh, you shouldn't smoke. My wife died from smoking like really recently. And they have like a weird back and forth. But eventually Nadia's like, well, I want you to know uh, your wife is... Alive in some other timeline, and she's very happy. And this is where I wanted to bring up Slaughterhouse Five again because the Tralfamadorians, because they see time all at once, they don't really mourn when people die because they know, oh yeah, he's dead now, but he's also alive and happy as a child. So, like, there's no reason to be sad about it. And so, I think that's um, an interesting take on this whole idea of life like and this is where we're getting back into existentialism and nihilism of like how is how does time work like when we die are we also alive at a different timeline Mm -hmm. answer me that question geniuses yes yes yeah that was an easy one (laughs) okay good thank goodness he was confused by (laughs) boy boy oh boy was i stressed (laughs) i think there can be hope with free will as well as desperation with free will. Mm -hmm. And I think there can be hope with um, meaninglessness as well as hopelessness with meaninglessness. Um, I think Rick and Morty hits nihilism really well. Morty is talking to Summer about the fact that another Rick and Morty version is actually dead and that they travel to this alternate universe because they ruined the universe that they were in. And he says this, he's like, life is meaningless. Let's go inside and watch TV. Mm -hmm. Um, And it helped Summer through an existential crisis that she was having. Um, But on the flip side, most people think of nihilism as hopelessness. Um, With free will, people are like, oh, I get to do, like, my life, my choices matter. Um, but then the, the flip side of that is like, you've caused every problem in your life Mm -hmm. because your choices are the only thing that you have control over. And so this is quote unquote, your fault. 
Agreed. Again, uh, the idea of humans are kind of the only creatures that have to worry about philosophy and what the meaning of life is. Um, I remember in high school, there was this kid who was saying, like, you know, like, we don't really have free will. Everything is predetermined. You might think you have free will, but you really don't. And I got angry. (laughs) And I don't know why, but... For some reason, I was like, no, I want my choices to matter. I don't want to be living on this, like, track just like a, like a robot doing, you know, whatever it is I'm going to do. And I don't know why. That matters to literally nobody else. Like- <laughs> I, I understand that on a little sidebar. When I was younger, one of my classmates can tried to convince me that Santa Claus wasn't real and that it was actually the military that would drive down everyone's house and deliver presents. (laughs) So I got very frustrated about that, and I think it's just because he challenged my belief, even Mm -hmm. though, or, and I don't know if it had anything to do with his was much crazier. (laughs) Yeah, somehow Santa Claus is easier to believe. I I genuinely got frustrated at the idea, so you think that we wouldn't have heard, like, a tank drive by our neighborhood and people break in to leave gifts and then storm out? Yeah. (laughs) All right. Yeah, and I I think, uh, (laughs) um, basically, if you're asking yourself these questions of, like, one, is Santa Claus real? Uh, two, do, do your life choices matter? Um, <laughs> three, is the Easter Bunny real? <laughs> Four, are we gonna buy the Booberry Magic? <laughs> Five, um... No, I couldn't think of a fifth. <laughs> Five. Was the Booberry mattress joke funny? Like, <laughs> um, ultimately, to me, the final question you should be asking yourself is, why do you need this answer to be happy? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, with the mattress one, it's because it's important to validate our joke. Exactly. Um, but for the existence and purpose of existence, it's kind of like you can be happy without knowing yes or no, one way or the other. It's a difficult perspective to get to, but... But it's a perspective you have to get to, because these answers you're looking for literally can't be found. (laughs) Unless maybe we run into an alien race that views time differently than we do. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Please... Tune in next time when we talk about Avengers Endgame and movies that change cinema. If you liked us, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 2 underscore bald men and find us on Facebook. And don't forget to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Thank you all again, and if you are driving, we hope you got to your destination safely and on time. <laughs>